Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first Listen. Listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Cool People Did Cool Stuff, your podcast that comes out every week. The only podcast that comes out every week. Most of them don't. None of the other ones do. I'm your host, Margaret Kiljoy, and with me today as my guest is Daniel Goodman. Hi, Hello. Daniel. Hi, Margaret. How are you doing? I'm good. People who listen to Cool Zone Media probably know who you are. Maybe. You're an audio engineer, but you're not our audio engineer. You're not not Ian. this one. No, I'm not Ian. No, that is yeah. true. No, yeah. Mm. But I'm I'm a I'm a I'm thrilled to be part of the engineering team for this wonderful slice of the network. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't have anything clever to say about it. I'm just glad that you're the guest. I'm really excited about this. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. I love your show, and um, and and if I if I may, uh, mm-hmm. if I may, um, what's the word when you like? It's not splurred for when you like go mm-hmm. off about somebody and how much you appreciate their work. You're one of my favorite voice actors that I've been able to work with on many of the different things that I've worked on on the show. Like you've Aww. done vocal work for Jamie, you've done vocal work for uh, Garrison, and yeah. all of your voice acting is incredible. I think you are Aww. very, very talented on mic, and your delivery is flawless every time. So I'm happy to be here to support your show as well. Thank you. Uh, where do I venue, Venmo you the 20 bucks for saying that? I can't <laughs> um, uh, okay, so we're closing out Pride Month. It's June 2023 as we record this. Possibly even as you listen. Possibly not. I don't know. You can listen whenever you want. That's the fun <laughs> thing about podcasts. Hey, Margaret, you forgot the second half of your preamble that you do every episode. Hi, Sophie. Hi, Our producer is Sophie. <laughs> That's not the part I was talking about. I was talking about the part where, where we, got... we make everyone say hi to Ian. Yeah, because I think that's oh. really beautiful. Our, did you did you know that Ian. did you know mm-hmm. that Daniel and Ian go way back? Well, they're DJs together. Yeah, we were DJs together. We he was also my uh, I volunteered to be a like a high school buddy for all entering ninth graders in a high school, and <laughs> I was paired up with Ian. In ninth Whoa. grade, when we were uh, when we were young young lads, 
and uh, we've been friends ever since. Oh, that's amazing. That yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that you all went that far back. That's cool. We, we go back quite quite a ways. I love that dude. Yeah, so yeah. Daniel, can you say hi to Ian real quick? Yeah, everyone say hi to Ian. Ian, my dude. How you doing? Yeah. I hope I hope my audio levels are good. I will do some nice light processing for you so it's not that much work to <laughs> edit this episode. And um, I, will, I will try to stay far away from the mic when I do my annoying mouth sounds and whatnot for you. So you don't have to mute too much. I love you. It's nice that you have that bag of Utz chips with you. Exactly. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and straight to some real ASMR up in here. <laughs> Sophie, how are you doing? I'm good. Who wrote our theme song, Magpie? It was on Woman. On Woman wrote our theme song. Okay, so what happened is I used to write out the the turns, opening turns stuff out you need every that. single time. Yeah, and then I was like, I don't need to write that out anymore. <laughs> I say it several times a week. You don't. You you need it. Yeah, apparently when I'm already writing 9,000 words, I shouldn't skimp on another 50. <laughs> so, it's Pride Week as we record this. And I thought, let's do some more gay history. We've done a, a bit of gay history on the show. I usually don't actually time things to Pride Month because I'm not a very, oh, whatever. I'm, I'm trans every week is whatever. Anyway. <laughs> If listeners go way back in 2022, we did Queer Resistance to the Nazis. Uh, earlier this year, we did a four-parter on Stonewall, and we've also done a couple on like transcestors throughout, throughout history. This one is going to be a three-parter. Our first, no, it's not our first three-parter, but it's one of our three-parters because we have a half week next week. If you, if you look on Monday and you're like, where did they go? It's because the company that we do this for celebrates the 4th of July, right? Oh, right. That's not. I was that's, so. That's I was at, like, wait a minute. What? Yes, yes. But the actual reason we're doing is so that Ian, our beautiful editor, can enjoy his time off. Oh, yeah. That's well, even better. Yo, yeah, yeah. It has nothing to do with that. Like, fuck Fourth of July. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's just it's just for our sweet our sweet boy Ian. One day I'm going to do the podcast Lateral Moves of History, and it's going to be about the American <laughs> Revolution. <laughs> <laughs> and also the English Civil War. Those That's are the funny. lateral moves of history. But this one's not a lateral move. This one is what came after Stonewall, the Gay Liberation Front. You ever you ever heard of the Gay Liberation Front? Um, only only in passing, I would say. My 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 research is uh, embarrassingly uh, lacking. No, I mean. Mine was before I sat down. It's fun because I get to come on mic and be like, I know everything because <laughs> I pick a topic and then I spend like maybe 50 hours reading about it. Perfect. So we're going to talk about the Gay Liberation Front and we're going to talk about some of the groups. Are you, mm-hmm. you going to call it the GLF or the Gay Liberation Front? Because I know how you feel about the when you shorten things. TLAs? Mm-hmm. Well, I've been waiting for some time in history for someone to start either the Total Liberation Army or the Trans Liberation Army so that mm-hmm. there can be the TLA, the three-letter acronym. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so if someone feels like doing that, you have my blessing to start the that's, TLA. That's funny. That's But good. don't hold me legally on the hook for whatever you choose to do. <laughs> I don't know whether I'm going to call them the GLF or the Gay Liberation Front throughout. We'll find out. I probably end up I probably because I was like typing it. I probably mostly wrote GLF, but it's mm. not that much shorter to say than Gay Liberation Front. No, your choice. Your choice. Yeah, we'll just we'll see how it goes. Some of the groups they worked alongside of as well. 
And we're going to talk about their struggle to not just kiss who they wanted to kiss, but to liberate themselves and the world from the chains of oppression mm. and kissing the people that they want to kiss along the way. So we mentioned the Gay Liberation Front ever so briefly at the end of our four-parter on Stonewall. Uh, Stonewall, of course, being the riots outside of a gay bar called Stonewall in New York City in 1969 that sparked the modern pride movement. I actually always thought that that was one of those things that was sort of exaggerated because people like being like, oh, this was the turning point. And usually it's like, well, there was a lot of stuff. And there was a lot of stuff, but Stonewall really was the turning point. Hell yeah. Um, It really was the spark. And uh, that sparked the modern pride movement. But we didn't get into the GLF more deeply. And they did an awful lot in only a few short years. Before Stonewall in the U.S., the most visible and organized gay groups were what's generally known as the homophile movement. Um, and they were largely assimilationists. That is, they like, they're like, hey, if we act kind of straight except for who we fuck and marry, then we might get accepted, right? The, biggest, the two biggest and most memorable of these were the Mattachine Society for Gay Men and the Daughters of Belitis for Lesbians, who both have fucking cool names. That is their names. Cool. I know their names actually sort of outweigh the. I'm actually not really trying to slight them super hard, but like they weren't <laughs> as like exciting and radical, right? They just had really Sorry. fucking metal names. That's half the battle. I feel like. I know, I know, and that's I think why we're not doing as well anymore. I've, I've mm. talked about this before in the show, but we really need to bring back the league as a as a type of formation. Yes, um, at least in our names. I'm down cool with that. Zone League, the yeah. League of. <laughs> cool zones the league of extraordinary podcasters <gasps> yes uh, uh. <laughs> I'm, into it. I'm into it so there are these assimilationist groups but even in these assimilationist groups it's not that everyone agrees with that strategy it's that that's the only thing going and they're pretty much convinced that if they do anything else they'll all get murdered because they're all getting murdered anyway because they live in a terribly homophobic society where people like murdering gay people so in June 1969, Stonewall happened. It broke the pall of assimilation that had been sitting like a miasma on queer people. I don't know how to pronounce miasma, apparently. You nailed it. Oh, great. There had been uprisings before, and there had been activists before, but it was just the right spark, catching the right tinder at the right time to start a flame. Or, to use the leftist jargon at the time, uh, and this is a Mao quote that they all liked, oh. it takes one spark to start a prairie fire. <laughs> huh. I know it's wow. kind of a nice quote. Not a, I'm a not nice a big quote. Mao lady, but Stonewall happened and people were like, all right, now what? And so a bunch of folks from the Daughters of Belitis and the Mattachine Society met up and they were like, man, what if we just, what if we just stop pandering to straight society? Like what if we, uh, what if we joined the new left, uh, like all the black, like the Black Panthers and Young Lords and all that shit? Right, right, right. And, I don't know, what if we like just fucking overthrow capitalist imperialism and, and uh, as a way to get our rights as queers? And society views us as a threat. Maybe it should. We could be a threat. Could be. Um, I know. It's one of the things that like, I realize more and more when I, when I read all this history, because it's like in my mind, all the people, like the queer folks around me are like, a lot of them live very dangerous lives and are mm-hmm. uh, incredibly brave. And a lot of them are, are fairly dangerous people, frankly, um, like people that I wouldn't choose to cross. But I, I didn't quite realize how in early 20th century, there was this content. Everyone thought like, oh, gay men are just like sissy little cowards, mm. you know? Um, sure. And so they were like, well, we can, we can break people's assumption about that. Hell yeah. 
so it seems like a respect mm-hmm. of strength. It's like, you know, I think, I think, I think the idea of like being a threat comes with this like fear that we're going to attack you, but it's more, uh, it, it, it's like a, we can hold our fucking own. Yeah. And that's how we should be standing up to these people. It's like, don't fuck with us. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when you walk down the street, the way that you carry yourself changes the way that people interact with you. Yes. Completely. You know, I used to, when I wore a mini skirt, I made this, um, very large knife and I just wore it at the small of my back and like. I'm not going to fight anyone with a knife. That's, That's so fucking cool. dumb. Yeah. But like, no one but fucked with it. me. I bet. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, Margaret's tough as shit. Holy fuck. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, was like, <laughs> I used to like, um, a tangent. I used to, when people would yell things at me from the car, right? And mm-hmm. this happens to me a lot. Um, it happens to anyone who doesn't present the way that society expects them to. Or anyone who looks kind of like a woman. This happens to a lot. And so people would yell things at me from cars and I would just like scream and chase them. And people were like, why do you do that? And I was like, because they always run away. Yeah. And they were like, well, what will you do if they don't run away? And they'll be like, then I'll run away. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah. So I told that to one of my lawyer friends. I don't want, I don't want to tell the, the further part that gets into the felonies I committed in the process of that, which I never did. Never did. So, uh, no felony limitations here. ago. Um, <laughs> anyway, they started the Mattachine Action Committee. That's what I meant nice. to say. Yay. <laughs> and pretty much immediately they were like, actually, we don't want to be the Mattachine Action Committee. We don't want to be part of Mattachine society at all. They also embraced the word gay, which previous groups had avoided, and they formed the Gay Liberation Front. Interesting. And yeah, and the, this is another part I didn't realize because I was like, the, when, I re- when I talked more about Mattachine and Daughters Belitis and the Stonewall four parter, right? I was like, man, why do they all use such sick metal names? And it was actually because they were afraid to use the word gay in their names um, or lesbian in their names. Like you couldn't right. have the League of Lesbians or whatever. You couldn't have right. the like League of Gay Men with Swords. Uh, as badass as that is. I know. Um, but now we can have that. And I just want to put that Definitely. out there for any gay men <laughs> and we, listening. And- we yeah. should have that. I know, I know. And and just to, and just to be mm-hmm. clear with what you're saying, it's it's not that they was another word that they used. It was that like it's because you're still at this time you're hiding your identity. Yeah. Right. It's like it's like you know we're not putting gay out there at all because we don't even want people to or you know we can't risk people knowing. Yeah. They all had Sucks. different words that they used. Sure. But they were all a little bit like wink wink nudge nudge words. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. So I think we can now have both. I think we can have the word gay and weird esoteric references to things that I even wrote into an episode and I still don't remember what Mattachine and Belitis mean. (laughs) They sound cool. They do sound very cool. So they joined the new left and we'll talk about that really quickly. This is, as the name implies, a break from the old left. And so a lot of the new left is like Marxists and communists, uh, like the old left in this context. But there was also anarchists and other leftists in the new left. And more importantly, it was a break from the old model that basically that was like, ever since the USSR formed, the left worldwide was a little bit like, we all obey the Communist Party and we are all into workers stuff and don't talk about anything else. Um, This is an exaggeration. Actually, some people in the old left did an incredible amount of anti-racist work. And even though I disagree with them about a lot of stuff, I'm not trying to, uh, whatever people wanted a new left. Uh, And specifically the old left Marxist line was anti-gay, not more than the capitalist countries, 
but it really wasn't good for gay people in the communist bloc. And in communist countries, homosexuality was seen as bourgeois Western decadence that distracts the good worker from being like a good proletarian man or whatever the fuck. <laughs> well, well. I know. I, I see shadows of this every now and then, especially when I travel in other countries. And I'm like, mm. wait, what? Wait, really? <laughs> right. Y'all think what? That's amazing. <laughs> like, wow. Anyway. So being gay would distract the good communist workers from identifying with only their class interests uh, because they're too focused on like being gay and weak and effeminate and all that shit or whatever. And so like the new left was like, well, what if the left wasn't fucking boring and regressive? What if it was, that? <laughs> what if it was like cool and good instead, right? Um, they wanted to be able to be feminists. They wanted to be able to be black power activists. They wanted to be weirdo druggy hippies and or gay. A lot of the people actually that we're going to talk about are all four of those things. <laughs> The holy quad quadrant quadrilateral. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna like. I think it was cool that people did a lot of acid stuff. I do think hard drugs have had a negative impact overall on on social movements. Sure. I'm not trying to shame the individual users or whatever, but totally. You know, people want to be weird, hippie, feminist, gay people. Like that's great. Amen. Yeah. Many of them, uh, maybe most of them, stayed Marxist of some stripe um, and just decided Marxism was a living ideology that they could work with. This is the new left. So the GLF forms, and their first actions were alongside the Black Panthers outside the Women's House of Detention, which was this women's prison with a very old-timey name, which was right across from Stonewall and was full of, among other things, lesbian Black Panthers who needed support. The GLF forms, their slogan, or maybe just one of them was, Come out, come together, unite with the revolutionaries of the world. Nice. I know, it's a very... That rules. Yeah. It's the plan of action in a slogan. It's like... Yeah, truly. Well, what do you all believe? Well, did you see the slogan? <laughs> What's your plan? I refer you again to the slogan. <laughs> Taps the sign. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and here's a quote from the first issue of their paper called, Come Out, a Newspaper by and for the Gay Community. That's the name of the paper. The quote is, we will not be gay bourgeoisie searching for the sterile, sterile American dream of the ivy-covered cottage and the good corporation job, but neither will we tolerate the exclusion of homosexuals from any area of American life. And they met at the Church of, Holy, the, of the Holy Apostles, which is an Episcopalian church whose congregation has been very inclusive for a very long time. Uh, later, just to shout out these cool people, Later in 1977, they ordained a lesbian priest. In 1982, they started serving thousands of free meals every weekday. And it's always worth pointing out, since a lot of the GLF's enemies... Ah, GLF, the answer is going to be GL, Sophie, to your question. Boom. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> since a lot of the GLF's enemies are going to be closed-minded religious zealots, it's worth pointing out that some of their strongest infrastructural support was an open-minded religious community looking to counter those closed-minded zealots. Their name, Gay Liberation Front, is a reference to the Vietnamese National Liberation Front, the communist army that was currently kicking the shit out of the U.S. and Vietnam. Nice. It's a very confrontational thing to do. <laughs> you know? Yeah, especially at the time. And so they were mostly white in the GLF, but immediately they were linking up with gay activists within the POC organizations around. And importantly, they weren't overwhelmingly white. They were just mostly white. And it it's easy to leave out all the people of color who are involved in it just by mislabeling that movement. I've heard that they were mostly Catholic and Jewish with some Protestant membership and at least one Quaker. But 
realistically, they were mostly secular Catholic and or Jewish, and mostly they were really new agey. There's this whole dissertation that I didn't have time to read that I'm sad about, or I'm sad that I didn't get time to read, that mm. just gets into how much they're all into like magic and non-rational approaches to activism, oh, which, I, yeah. <laughs> Very fucking cool. Yeah. And when you read the like sterile histories of them, it leaves out, hey, they spend all their time hanging out with Black Panthers. And it also leaves out like, hey, several of them were practicing witches and like into like really weird shit, you know? Hell yeah. I listened to interviews with six different members who, in like content, modern interviews, current interviews, and all six of them happened to be Jewish. A lot of them were veteran organizers from civil rights and anti-war movements. And they had a, a sort of fast forward radicalization, right? Because they come out of the Mattachine Society. They come out of this non-radical space. They form as the GLF with that super radical name, but there was contention about their role within the larger movement. At one point, really early on, someone was like, hey, I have a, a thing where you tell everyone, emotion, emotion. Mm. Uh, let's donate $500 to the Panthers as a sign of solidarity. And some other people were like, no, the, the Panthers use homophobic language, so let's not. The motion to offer solidarity passed, and a few of the GLF members resigned in protest because they didn't approve of it. You know, like, people will probably argue about whether or not that's like, oh, because they didn't want to ally with the black movement, or oh, they were sticking to their sure. guns about Sure, sure, sure. You know. The gesture of solidarity paid off. Very shortly thereafter, uh, not specifically because of this like money that came in, but because they mm. were part of this movement, the Panthers came out as very explicitly pro-gay. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, they... I, I've been like... I feel like I've been like building around talking about the Panthers. Like they come mm -hmm. into like every episode about the 60s, right? No doubt. And the reason I haven't done an episode about them is I'm like, that one's going to be long, probably. <laughs> <laughs> probably. But you know what isn't long is oh. how long it takes to press forward 15 seconds approximately nice. four times. Fuck yes. Uh, because now it's time for an ad break. Unless... You pay for Cooler Zone Media, in which mm. case you just hear us rambling about this. And then you'll be like, why do I have to hear the ads about Cooler Zone Media when I pay for the thing that doesn't come with ads? And we don't have an answer for you. We don't. So, here's some ads. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. 
It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So, obviously the Panthers came out as pro-gay for a lot of reasons. One of them is that a lot of them were gay, right? Like that's the, um, gay folks are really everywhere. We are in every movement, even all the like right wing fucks who are trying to like kill us all right now. I bet you they are the same percent gay as everyone yep. else. hundred percent. Yeah. God, the, I haven't even, I, I, I touch on it very briefly every now and then, but the Kinsey report that it came out and I want to say in the forties was like, mm. Something like a third of men in the 40s had had experiences to orgasm with other men. Wow. Yeah. That's a like, high number for the 40s. Yeah. But it it just wasn't, you just didn't have gay identity, right? Right. It was just a right. thing that people do. Like being sure. anti-gay, it's almost like in the 20s when you like, when it was like immoral to drink alcohol. Right? Sure. Yeah. Exactly. You know. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, I let myself get jacked off by my friend again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my wife's gonna be so mad. You're so mad. Uh, anyway. You know, whatever. And like, I'll see you next Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Anyway, the GLF structure was really interesting, and. For the first few months, it was a traditional organization. It had voting. The person passes, tries to get that motion passed, and it gets passed and all this stuff. By the fall 1969, it used what they called a structuralist structure. Decisions were no longer voted upon, uh, mm. but instead things were determined by consensus of individuals and more importantly by affinity groups, which they called cells, which makes sense since they're calling themselves the Liberation Front. 
And it actually prefigures the Occupy movement in a lot of ways. A lot of the ways that they are organizing is, is fairly similar to that. Cells were autonomous and everyone was encouraged to form and act under the banner, form a, a cell, and then act under the banner of the GLF. The Marxists in particular were not pleased by this method of organizing. And at least one Marxist cell wrote that this is what caused the group to fall apart in the end. Hmm. They might be right. It also might be why the GLF was so wildly impactful for the years it lasted because it was this explosion of energy and all of these different types of people doing all of these different types of things and coming together to have each other's backs. Most history wants to look at the GLF in a vacuum and they never mention that they were like radical leftists, that their first protests were at a prison. Most only talk about the gay specific stuff. Uh, what often gets called their first protest, which is still a cool protest, but was not. It was the prison thing. Their first protest that people talk about was against the Village Voice, uh, which is the local alternative oh, wow. paper in Greenwich Village. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, and this actually, because I think of the Village Voice, you know, I lived in New York in the early aughts, right? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, Village Voice is like the lefty paper, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. And I think it even kind of was then, but kind of not the radical lefty paper, you know? Sure. Mm-hmm. So this protest happened on September 12th, 1969. And there were two reasons for this picket. They picketed the offices. First, after Stonewall, they ran an article called Too Much, My Dear. Oh, fuck that. <laughs> yeah. It was contemptuous of the riots. It accused the queers of harassing cops. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fuck off with that. <laughs> yeah. People would come in to arrest them for wearing women's clothes or whatever. Eat shit. (laughs) Yeah. That's fucked up. And that article used all kinds of slurs, not just for the gay people, but also, well, for gay people, but also used all kinds of racial slurs for the people of color who are gay, who are there. And like the kind of slurs that I will not even dream of telling you on there. Yeah, no, of course not. Horrible shit. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was not, not good. And the other reason that they picketed is they actually so they banned ads from using the words gay or homosexual because those were obscene. Oh my God. <laughs> One protest cool. sign. Yeah. Yeah. Very, le- very progressive. Very cool. Yeah. Thank you. Village voice. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like when, um, like if I get censored for saying a word that like, if I got censored on Twitter for saying tranny or something, which now, they, I mean, now of course on Twitter, you can say that all you want. <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> you know? But God forbid you say sis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's just a step too far. We all <laughs> we can all agree. <laughs> like, I I can't wait for Twitter to just actually announce that straight is a slur. That's oh, you're right. That's happening. That's gonna happen. Yeah. Ugh. Like, no, I'm a I'm I'm normal sexuality. Oh God. <laughs> like, look, you're straight, sh- it's fine. A shiver ran down my spine. Yeah. <laughs> um one protest sign from the time sums it up nicely uh, from the picket. The sign says, Village Voice won't print gay in ads, but calls us dykes and faggots. Mm. And that's just like, yeah, why do they get to say actual slurs, but you can't say gay? Right. Maybe it's Florida. I don't know. Uh, yeah, exactly. God, it's so... If I had done this art, this episode 10 years ago, it would have been mm-hmm. such a like, wow, could you imagine? Could you imagine? Yes, Totally. It is bit yeah. It's it's funny how the the slippery slope logic that so often gets used for like, well, if we start letting 
if we let the gays get married, then what's going to happen next? Mm -hmm. It's just truly been the other way. It's been the, let's just go on the full slippery slope of banning everything such that saying cis on Twitter is a bannable offense. Yeah. Just like, what? Yeah. The slippery slope is real, just not for who you think it's real for. Totally, totally. (sighs) And it's like, oh, if we let them come for the trans people, they will come for the gay men next, the cis gay men next, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, and the GLF, they didn't start by picketing, uh, even just, they have this like very fiery name, right? But they're not like running around, burning things down. They are trying in their way in all these different ways to get shit done. Mm. And so they went to the village voice and they were like, Hey, like, let us run the, the ads that they want to run is they want to run ads for their dances, Right. Um, and the whole point is that they have Sounds these dances. Fun. Yeah. And they have these dances so that they don't all have to meet up at mafia controlled places. Right. And so they go to the village voice and they're like, Hey, why can you say all this terrible stuff about us in print, but we can't even run ads that say gay. Um, and the village voice is like, get out of here. You slur or whatever, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so they had endless conversations with the village voice. And finally they were like, this isn't working. We're picketing you. And it was successful after talking and talking and talking and nothing changed. After a single day of picketing, the voice agreed that ads could say gay or homosexual and that the GLF could write, that people, not just the GLF, that people could write in and refute the anti-trans, the anti-gay articles. And they were like, oh, we're not going to censor, you know, we'll still let people write that stuff about you, but we'll let you refute it. Great. Like community notes. Yeah, you guys totally. can do community notes on Twitter. We'll still let all the stuff sit there, but like you can do the community <laughs> notes. No, that's exactly it. That Very is exactly nice it. And it, no, and, and newspapers at the time, it's like, well, I mean, now newspapers are basically dead, but like they right. were the Twitter for hundreds of years, you know? Tr- truly. Newspapers, the Twitter for hundreds of years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a spectacular quote. <laughs> Thanks. And so a letter from a gay man named Kevin Lisko was published in The Voice. And, and a quote from it I just like is, we are people with something to fight for. The age of the scared little queens is gone. Hail Aquarius. Which I oh, like, yeah. don't know what means, but it sounds cool. It is very tight. Hail Aquarius. <laughs> yeah. I'm with it. <laughs> and I know, I know that in general, the hippies had this like the dawning of the age of Aquarius thing and everything's mm. going to change. I just don't. Uh, fuck with astrology to totally sure, understand. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> and the article about this action and come out there, the GLF's magazine was co-written by a man named Leo Martello, who is described as quote a practicing witch who kept a boa constrictor under the bed. Under the bed. I know. I don't know. I mean, hopefully it's like a heat lamp. I don't know. <laughs> I was gonna say a well cared for boa constrictor under the bed. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I can only assume so. <laughs> Imagine getting out of bed in the morning. <laughs> you got to be careful. <laughs> yeah, you're like, there's no monster under the bed. And there's this like 12 foot snake. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Having somebody over and being like, oh, right. By the way, before, you know, before yeah. sex and whatnot, there is a snake under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And then like, I hope the bed is well constructed because otherwise the yes. snake has just oh, to be like, gosh. put on his earmuffs and be like, oh, there's Leo again. Just, just. <laughs> Going at it. It's cool. I I appreciate your right to have gay sex, but yes. could you not have it two feet above me? <laughs> oh, that's so good. That's fucking funny. 
a poor snake. So they had these gay dances mm. and they were incredibly popular. Uh, I found only found numbers for one, one random one had 900 people coming to this oh, wow. dance. Yeah. That's a dance. Yeah. Considering all of the other dance stuff that I have read about is these like small mafia controlled bars where I can't right. imagine then they're packed to the gills, but I can't imagine you're talking about more than like 200 people in one place. Sure. Sure. And there was a split off group called gay youth that ran dances for queers under 21. Uh, and, specifically only for queers under 21. I guess it wasn't groomers after all. <laughs> well, the, one of the whole points of gay youth was to allow an avenue for gay youth to develop their sexuality without sleeping with older men, which is like, is some of the way that gay culture has existed in the 20th century. Uh, not that that isn't true of heterosexual society also, I mean, but yeah, you know. I was going to say. Yeah. Ain't nothing new. Yeah. Gay youth wound up with at least 40 chapters all over the country, and I think in other countries as well, I think Canada, maybe the UK. Um, and many of which, many of these chapters consider themselves entirely independent from the Gay Liberation Front. They actually outlast their parent organization. And, and this is something that really stuck with me, is a lot of these groups outlast the Gay Liberation Front because structuralist structure, even though it isn't a good way to make something that's going to last for generations... It's a really good tool for incubating affinity between various people who then go off and do their own thing independently, right? So people come to the GLF and then they're like, they find their people and then they go organize. The Gay Liberation Front ran classes at a local free university called Alternative U. They didn't run this place. That's just a place that existed that they made use of. Uh, they ran classes on medical care. They ran classes on how to squat buildings they ran classes on anti-racism, on gay history, on anti-sexism, on Marxism, and other politics. And you'll be shocked to know that the Bay Area chapter started really quickly also. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the history stuff is like these like competitions between the East Coast and the West Coast to be who can, right. who can do the like rad thing faster. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. You know? Since I'm from the East Coast, I always have this like little bit like, yeah, it's a little ah. bit grittier and we don't have a culture of it, but we sure, do it sure, anyway, sure. you know? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But overall, the Bay is like, I was like researching this and I actually drove into the Bay the other day. And, uh -huh. um, and there's been all this like, I used to like kind of not give a shit about like all the like sort of assimilationist queer stuff. And I honestly did not care all that much about pride as a parade and, and all this mm. stuff. I was like way too cool for a lot of that. Mm. And I don't know. I was like driving into the Bay and up on the hill, there's just a giant pink triangle and I'm like, that's kind of a, that like matters right now. And it probably yeah. always mattered. And I was just an asshole. But like, it's a good on you, Bay. Thanks for Absolutely. having a giant pink triangle as I drive Hell into yeah. your hell city of self-driving <laughs> cars that kill people. <laughs> at least, at least there is, there's some positives coming out of the, uh, coming out of the area. Yeah, totally. That's so funny. And so on Halloween 1969, so mm -hmm. really shortly after the formation of the GLF, 60 folks from the GLF and a few other groups get together to do this thing. One of the other groups is the Committee for Heterosexual Freedom. Sorry, Homosexual Freedom. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think we need a committee for that one. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Committee for Homosexual Freedom. They're kind of cool. They're a group. They're a couple months older than the GLF, and they formed to get justice for a, gay, a fired gay employee from a steamship company. And Nice. And they formed because, like a gay employee was like seen in public or in a photo or something like hugging his lover or whatever. God forbid. 
And so the gay, the, the boyfriend was like, you can't fuck with my man like that and started a whole ass activist organization to picket the steamship company for fucking that's, with his boyfriend. That's fucking sick. Hell yeah. 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 That's dope. Another one of the groups that's involved in this Halloween action is the gay guerrilla theater group. And then another even older gay rights group, the society for individual rights, um, which is such a, a classic formation for like mm. a gay group, right? Is to be like, I mean, I think it's, I think it's entirely fine to be like the reason you just kind of can't tell us what to do. These are our individual rights. Yes. Like why? Yes. There you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and like, don't, don't, it's like, why, why does it have to be about sexuality? It's about rights in general. Yeah. Yeah. Which interesting, you know, is actually a decent formulation also for understanding like, um, the right to, uh, like have an abortion or not have an abortion or like totally. all kinds of other rights, you know? Absolutely. Rights of the human. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so they this protest that they all f- do together is against the local paper, the San Francisco Examiner. Mm. And it had been doxing arrested gay men. A lot of papers, at least in L.A. and the Bay, I bet it was all over the place, but I've only specifically read about papers in L.A. and, and the Bay do that, doing this. They just name and shame arrested gay men, right? Cruising is illegal, like going to a park and trying to find other gay men to have sex with um, is illegal at this time. So... When men get arrested for that, the local papers will print their mugshot and be like, ah, oh, do you know Joe's gay? He's one of the gays. Eh? Here's his address. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. It's not very nice. No. Um, and dangerous. Yeah, no. Yeah. No, it, it wrecked so many people's lives. And it was like specifically no like doubt. a plan to keep people from being able to do this, you know? Right. From like meeting other adults to have consensual sex relations with. Yeah. For real. The gay, also the examiner had written a slur-filled article with the headline, The Dreary Revels of San Francisco Gay Clubs. Gay gets scare quotes. And they had written it basically to counter the rising gay organizing in the city. So the rising gay organizing in the city was like, well, then fuck you. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for recognizing us. Fuck you. (laughs) Yeah. So the gays picketed. Um, And because everything is better when its name sounds metal as hell, as we've discussed, Mm -hmm. this protest is called... The Friday of the Purple Hand. Wow. Yeah. That, wow, that goes super hard. I know. The Purple Hand, that rips. Yeah. What else rips, Daniel? Can you guess what else rips? Oh, geez. Uh, The, uh, the, the, the Reagan coins as they fall from your pocket onto the, the, the paper Floor of the <laughs> the the, the I, can't, I don't know something that it's, something it's, flimsy that people are standing on I don't know as yeah. products services. here's some here's some stuff Bean Dad the dress thirty to fifty feral hogs if you knew what any of those were you spend too much time online and hey I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. 
Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back. Yay. We're talking about the Friday of the Purple Hand. Which rips. 60 folks show up to this protest. And it, it's a peaceful picket, but it's like, there's one of these things where it's like, often people be like, it was a peaceful protest. People brought eggs to throw at the building, which is like, fine. That's not even still property peaceful. destruction. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's still extremely peaceful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the chant that they had was, say it loud, we're gay and we're proud. Nice. And a classic. I know. So two newspaper men climbed up on the roof and dropped bags of purple ink onto them. From the roof of the building. Oh. Yeah. So the gay folks hmm. gave up and went home dejected. Just kidding. <laughs> they they were like, great, we look awesome now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. They dipped their hands in the ink. It was like kind of like all over them and splashed a little bit. It wasn't like 50 gallon barrels. It wasn't like, sure, ah, sure, sure. it wasn't like a Nickelodeon sliming. But <laughs> it is also funny because oh. it's like, Clearly them initiating the actual property destruction, the actual graffiti, yes. right? Yes. So they... It's like they leaving dipped, the bricks out. Yeah, totally. It's like dropping bricks but missing, and they're like, yeah, oh, exactly, we got some exactly. bricks now. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So they dipped their hands in the ink and then left their handprints all over the bu- the walls of the building and also nearby buildings. One version of the story is that they like then went through downtown and left purple handprints everywhere. I, I, another version says it was mostly in this area. I don't know. Uh, and then they used the purple ink to scrawl gay power and other slogans on the wall of the, the building. Hell yeah. So the police show up. And of course, they're like, oh no, people dropping things from rooftops. That's the real danger. I'm just kidding. They... Uh, went after the queers and beat the shit out of people. Oh, um, that's terrible. A dozen people were arrested. One per one protester lost their front teeth. Oh yeah. There is like not just a, yeah, it was bad. Um, was a real, another real suffered a beat down. Terrible. Yeah. Another suffered a broken rib. The gays oh. fought back. Uh, at least one cop caught a picket sign over his head. Another, the only person whose felony charges later stick bit a cop. <laughs> which hell yeah contributing and, to the metalness of the causes yeah exactly um god if that had happened in the 80s could you imagine <laughs> um, extremely extremely metal yeah uh i think cops getting bit is going to wind up on cool people bingo at this point because <laughs> i think it was like two weeks ago or yeah it was like two weeks ago that a grandma uh-huh. in england not uh it was 1936, but two weeks ago in, okay. in cool people oh. time, <laughs> I had we had an episode about two weeks ago. Grandma bit a police officer. Yeah, tight. no, down to the bone. A, a, a grandmother. Whoa, because the cop was protecting fascists in 1936 in England. Oh well, fuck that guy. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, anyway, so the rest of the crowd, they go. They immediately move from the building, the examiner, to city hall to protest the arrests. And three more of them get arrested at City Hall protesting. Um, and I think what happens there is that they like don't leave. They're like, oh, the building's closed. You got to leave. And then they like just arrest them. This was, in the end, a massive win for gay liberation, this protest. Oh, yeah. It mobilized people, a lot of people. And it, in particular, it actually mobilized the, the gay assimilationist old guard who had kind of been like, oh, we don't know about this liberation stuff, right? They just wanted everything to be like peaceful and get along. And then they were like, oh, that's not going to work, is it? Right. So the daughters of Belitis helped the felony arrestees find lawyers and spoke out in support of those facing charges. Because when the chips were down, they knew what side they were on. Uh, it's probably a mixed metaphor, chips being down and mm. side. Anyway. <laughs> One arrestee wrote, I was scared and felt alone in jail until I learned of the help mobilized outside. And uh, that's something every movement needs to internalize. Amen. Slowly, more and more papers stop running anti-gay hit pieces. This is not overnight, and this is not because of this one action, but because of action after action, and because of more and more people coming out, which is one of the main things. We'll talk about that in a little bit. May I interrupt for just one second? Yeah, yeah. Just about the day of the Purple Hand, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, especially since you know, people were literally like painting, quote unquote, painting the mm-hmm. town with purple hands. Is there any preservation of that in San Francisco still to this day? Like, are there paper or are there purple hands around the city or anywhere for that matter? I'm not sure about in San Francisco. Um, I know that a bunch of different queer groups around the world, uh, including Australia and then one in Eastern Europe somewhere, um, named themselves like the purple hand and nice. things like that. Nice. There was also apparently, I couldn't find a source on this. Apparently for a little while, people started sending threatening letters that instead of like the black hand as like the like mark that the pirates are going to kill you, they would send like purple hands to people who are being bigots. 
that's pretty cool. I know. I want I it's not in the script because I couldn't find an actual source on it. Sure, sure. Um, but I want to believe. I'm 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 committing that to my canon memory of, yeah. of this uh, of this movement. Yeah. Um and I don't know. I actually I think it'd be interesting someone knows. Um yeah. and it would be cool if San Francisco did. Uh when I first there's so many things that are just sort of like throwaway lines. If you read like the history of the Gay Liberation Front, they'll be like, oh, and then they protest the San Francisco Examiner and some people are arrested. And then it's like, the more you dive into it, the more the story like opens up and you start realizing how impactful this was to the area, you know? Mm. And, and these days, the San Francisco Examiner is actually one of the better sources about this thing that happened. They run articles. In 2019, they ran an article about it that was like, we were on the wrong side of this. Like that's good. I mean, good. Yeah. And you know, they're also like almost everyone who works for this paper wasn't born when this happened. Right. We're all a bunch of progressive <laughs> queers, like right. you know. Um which is like one of the ways we win. It's kind of assimilationist to me to say maybe, whatever. But like, well, now we're just like everywhere. Like we've yeah. always been everywhere, but now we're out and everywhere. Mm. And the greatest achievement of the GLF, at least according to some of the founders I listened to an interview with was that they changed the politics of the new left and of leftism and progressivism in, in general, which then left a massive mark on the mainstream culture of America. Uh, within two years, in order to be taken seriously as a radical, you had to accept gay rights. Um, in a similar way that like, when a lot of these organizations start, they would be like really sexist, right? And then immediately people are like, you just can't do that. You have mm. to take women's liberation seriously. And it got through people's thick skulls or... And the same thing happened with gay rights. And more and more people in the anti-war movement, black power in Puerto Rican power movements, all these people came out of the closet. Like the GLF would just go to table anti-war conferences and they would just have a table that's like basically like full of stuff that's like, hey, you know, you can just like be gay, right? And people are like, oh shit, thank God. And then they would all come out. Tight. And they also tried to tie in anti-war and like women's lib and and gay rights stuff all together. They had chants like one, two, three, four, we don't want your macho war. um, And slogans like come out against war and oppression, which is a very nice little clever play on words. I would never have, if I didn't read this in this context, it was something that's come out against war and oppression. I wouldn't realize that they mean like come out of the closet, but Mm. you know, and since gays weren't allowed in the military, You get people with t-shirts that say things like suck cock to beat the draft. (laughs) (laughs) That rips. Yeah. That is very cool. Yeah. Um, And the other big accomplishment that gets attributed to the USGLF is that their direct action intervention against the American Psychiatric Association led to homosexuality being delisted as a disorder in 1973. Nice. The GLF... Yeah, no, I, I... Yeah. The GLF fell apart as various groups split off to do their own thing, and some of them came to odds at odds with one another. Um, But people keep trying to look at the GLF as like on its own, right? And they're like, oh, it fell apart because of these reasons. But I think you have to look at it. The entire new left fell apart in the early 70s. Mm. Um, This was not the GLF and its structuralist structure or, you know, arguments about drag queens and stuff that I'll get into in the, very soon. It's the new left fell apart. And 
Every single radical group at the time fell apart due to a combination of repression and COINTELPRO, growing apathy, internal divisions, and also people just like kind of like kind of selling out or whatever. Um, and the GLF was not unique. And actually, like all these other movements, things came out of them. They were this fertile soil. Eventually, the GLF was supplanted by the far more orderly gay activist alliance, the GAA. Uh, which used Robert's Rules of Orders to run its meetings and was single issue about gay rights. And the GAA wasn't counter to the GLF. There was a lot of overlap between these groups. The public didn't really understand the difference, though. So the GAA, every time they'd have an action, people would be like, you GLF bastards! And they'd be like, <laughs> God damn it, we're no. the GAA! New ones. What are you doing? We're the People's Judea movement of... <laughs> um, <laughs> The Monty Python reference for anyone who's... Ah, yes. Um, (laughs) I'm like, if I just say... I'm like, if I don't get it right, and people are going to wonder why I'm bringing Judea into it. Uh, Reference the life of Brian, which is going to come up in the... Monty Python's coming into this. It is? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, Okay. But... And so, the GAA kept fighting. Um, Their headquarters were destroyed in a fire in 1974, but that didn't take it out. Um, they kept, they had to protest against the village voice again in 1975. There was also a group called the Lavender Menace, which was a lesbian group that started as a combo move from the GLF and the National Organization for Women. Uh, later they changed their name to the Radical Lesbians, one word with an L, one L in the middle. Oh, And, and there's another group that came out of the GLF that I particularly want to talk about though. The Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries or STAR. Nice. And we're going to talk about them. On Wednesday. Yay. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, yeah. Thrilling conclusion to the episode. Thank you. Thank you. I'm always, I'm working on my cliffhangers, you know? That was You're a so good, good one. good at it. Yeah. I, I was, wow. <laughs> I was sitting on the edge of my seat, just like, oh, cool name. What's up with them? And I then, know. boom. <gasps> you don't get to know. Intrigue. Yeah. <laughs> you can't Google it between now and then. <laughs> I shan't. I simply shall not. Well, you don't, don't have to. Do yeah. Um, but, if people want to know more about you, Daniel. Mm. Oh, me? Oh, gosh. DJ uh, Daniel. <laughs> you can find me. Uh, I, I did I did the thing. So when Ian and I were, uh, never mind, it doesn't matter. Uh, I did the thing of deciding <laughs> to brand myself consistently. It's mm-hmm. DJ underscore Daniel, D-A-N-L, on everything. So if you're looking for me on Twitter, that's where I am. Instagram, that's where I am. If you want to find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash DJ underscore Daniel. I stream Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. And it's a lot of fun over there. We do a bunch of dumb shit. And most of my stream is dedicated to giving you, the viewer, the ability to fuck with me while I'm streaming. So if that sounds fun <laughs> to you, then come on by because it's a lot of fun. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Sophie, you got anything? First of all, I love you, Daniel. <laughs> I love you, all, Sophie. Daniel's <laughs> the best. I'm so oh, glad gosh. you're here. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, me too. Uh, I would like to plug Cool Zone Media's uh, newest show. It's called Sad Oligarch. It oh. is Research Rips. hosted and created by Jay Canrahan, and it is H I N R. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, you'll have plenty of time to do that in the one oh of the upcoming my episodes. God. <laughs> it's really good, and uh, it's 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 uniquely interesting, and has really good music on it. So check it out. Yeah, Magpie. Well, this week and this week only. Unless you're listening to this in the future, in which case, 
you missed the Kickstarter. You missed it. I am kickstarting <laughs> a tabletop role playing game called Penumbra City, which is about various groups of people coming together to try and overthrow the God King, or just hang out and eat mushrooms and talk to rats and hang out in the sewers, or however you want to play your tabletop role playing game. It's called Penumbra City. It's on Kickstarter right now. We've unlocked more stretch goals than we originally came up with. So now nice. if you back it, I know we like. Um, so now if you back it, in addition to getting the book of how to play the game, you're also going to get a whole other book that is a, a series of adventures, and you can get a whole other book that is a novella written by me, and you're going to get now, on top of that, a full-color map of the city, because we just, right before recording this, hit our... I'm going to say our last stretch goal, but we actually have one stretch goal that's like kind of our fake stretch goal, which is that if we manage to get $100,000, we're going to have a um, hot tub party where we all cosplay and eat pizza um you're not invited but we'll live stream it but we're gonna have it <laughs> yeah but we'll live stream it and um dope and that one's that one's the joke one but if we do hit that we will do it and i'll see you all on wednesday bye bye cool people who did cool stuff is a production of cool zone media for more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.